Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have with me an award-winning professional business mentor, author, and speaker, Christine Nicholson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to be uh, on the show. Awesome. And today we're talking about uh, the five ways you are strangling your profits and how to fix them. So uh, when you say strangling your profits, are you saying that people are purposely sabotaging their revenue streams? Okay, so purposely is probably a bit of a strong word, but they are doing it and they're doing it themselves and they're probably doing it subconsciously. Makes sense. And I think a lot of people, at least the people that listen to my podcast and, and list, are listening right now, are probably struggling to get to the point where they're even making uh, revenue in the first place. So, let, you know, we're zero to CEO. So let's talk about how to go from zero to, you know, millions of dollars, you know, or even just a hundred thousand um, dollars. <laughs> how does, how does somebody make their business get to the next level where they're earning a profit? Okay. So let's start at the zero end of the scale. And uh, I've done multiple startups. So I know what this is like, and you're busy doing everything. And uh, you have three roles. You're the owner of the business, you're directing it strategically and probably not spending enough time doing the strategic piece. And then you're actually doing the technician piece. So when you're right away at zero, it can be really overwhelming. And the one thing I always say is you have three jobs. You have to get and keep customers. You have to stay legal and you have to make getting and keeping customers more efficient. Those are the only three jobs that you have. Everything else is completely irrelevant. So when it comes to getting and keeping customers, just focus on getting one. And then when you've got that one, focus on getting the next one and the next one. And it's always about one because your brain can't get overwhelmed by the number one. It gets overwhelmed by the number of zeros in expectation that you put after that. But you focus on getting one and everything will start to flow. And a lot of people uh, that are entrepreneurs, at least I've noticed, they love to count their chickens before they hatch. Like I'm going to have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this much money and I'm going to reach this many people and I'm going to get this many users and I'm going to, you know, buy this property and I'm going to do, you know, they're constantly talking about money and what they can achieve but they don't realize or maybe they just deny how difficult it is to not only run a business, but how to scale a business. So what are some of the tips you can give entrepreneurs listening or watching uh, to, you know, calm down, you know, don't get stressed out, don't be so anxious and instead focus on earning revenue or gaining more user acquisition? Well, as the, the title of this podcast, you know, there's five things actually, and they're really, really easy. And, and each one of these you can do something about today. Because I always say, everybody who comes and talks to me, even if they only have a 15-minute conversation, they will walk away with at least one thing they can do. Whether they choose to do it or not is a different matter. So, so if I think about the five things, the first thing is planning. And it's something that people go headlong into um, in terms of you get really excited about starting their business. But if they just spent a little time planning where they want to get to, what they want to achieve, and then, and then understand how they can break it down into single steps. Because an inch is a cinch, a mile is a trial. 
And if you're focused on a mile, you kind of miss the, the real value that you can build inch by inch. So, so have a plan. Okay. And then as you start building your business and you start employing people, not only do you have to have a plan, you need to share it. And you need to uh, let people know where the goal is and let them help you because they might not do things the same as you. And goodness forbid, they might actually do it better. And they'll certainly probably do it more efficiently if you just let them, particularly if you've employed specialists. So have the plan and share it. Get the right people in and don't be afraid to be a stickler for this. But equally recognize that the right people at zero are not going to be the right people at a million or two million or 10 million or 100 million. So be prepared to change those people and have really grown up conversations about the kind of people that you need. And, and don't be afraid to have that conversation with that you were great at the zero end. It's probably time for you to move on before we start wanting to kill each other. Um, so it's have a plan, share it with the with the right people. Well, to get the right people doing the right things. So the fourth thing is systems. Most entrepreneurs I know start rolling their eyes because I even do this myself. Um, it's about putting processes in place and making sure that you can give consistent delivery because that's what's actually going to allow you to grow your business. Um, you know, the, the, the single biggest strangleholds on, on business, and I mean literally throttling the business, is not having consistent delivery. So some customers get great and some customers get nothing. Um, so actually having those systems, and if they're documented, it means that you can do that that um, 1% marginal gains, which is a bit of an athletics term, but it's literally you can improve things slowly but surely and um, it means that you're constantly improving. So, so having systems. And here's the big thing. And it's really important if you're going to grow into something that's bigger than you. Get out of the way. Like know and recognize when it's time for you not to be the chief exec. Or if it's, if it's time for you to just you know, own the business, but don't work in it. Work strategically, not in the weeds but actually recognizing the time when you need to get out of your own way. Cause you are literally, if you imagine having your, having a hold of your own necktie and you are literally doing this. And I see so many business owners where the instant impact they can have on their profits is letting go of their own necktie and getting out of the way. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we watched episodes of shark tank where the entrepreneur is a brilliant inventor they created this amazing product, but they, ha they have no idea how to sell it. They have no idea how to market it. And the sharks are saying, you know, a, a brilliant idea, but you have no sales. You don't know what you're doing. And the person will say, well, that's why I'm here. I'm here because I need you to help me sell this because I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to get out of my own way, basically, is what they're saying. Yeah. So I think that's a great example of of people trying to get out of the way where they're trying to get out of the way. But it's not always that easy, I think, for entrepreneurs who running, they're running their own business and they know the systems and processes. They have the right people. They, they've shared the goal. They've reached the goals. And now, you know, there's so many examples of businesses and companies out there that we can probably talk about for hours where 
they were the right person for the job and other people didn't quite fit the mold. So mm. what do you what do you do in the case where, you know, someone wants to take over a CEO, the board of directors wants to vote you out and but you're the one that's really kind of making the ship go in the right direction and another CEO might hit the iceberg. So uh, how, how do you navigate that? Those are tricky waters, I got to admit. And it's not easy to identify who's right and wrong in that. Uh, and I and I think the first thing is, uh, this is one of the things I do with most of my clients, is I actually get them to stop treating their business like a baby. You know, the number of people who say, well, it's my business, it's my baby. It's not a baby. It's a legal entity. And, you know, it has it has its own personality. Some of that will have rubbed off from you as, as the founder. But it, most business owners, when they're in the wrong job, when they shouldn't be the CEO, they know it only because they are miserable. And because they are miserable, they are making everyone else miserable too. So I always get them to, one, recognize this, is, this ain't no baby. This is a legal entity. And if it belonged to someone else, trust me, you wouldn't be clinging on to it so, so well. Uh, and then the other thing is that is to recognize how what their level of happiness is and actually focus in on what's giving them joy. Because when we start actually looking at what gives them joy, that very clearly identifies what job they need to be doing. And actually, sometimes it's job in another company or, you know, job elsewhere. It might be going and being a non-exec. It might be going and being anthrop- um, anthropophic. Can't even say the word being very generous with their money <laughs> and um but but equally if if being chief exec of that business is what giving is giving them joy and what's dragging them back is the the wrong people they'll recognize that simply by when we start analyzing the people that they've got it's if they've got the right people those people will be pushing the person up they'll be elevating them and actually giving them energy and what happens with a lot of, of um, founders is they, they stranglehold, they become the bottleneck in their business, which is where the stranglehold thing comes in because everything has to go through them. And a lot of that happens because with the wrong people, the people are dragging them back down into the weeds. So clearly for me, if I hear my clients saying, well, I'm always fighting fires, then it, it's like, okay, you, you need to be the firefighting inspector, not the firefighter. So how do we train people not only to recognize the fires and put them out, but actually stop them occurring in the first place? And I can uh, say sometimes that's easier said than done, though, when you're in a startup, right? Because I've run quite a few startups in my day. And when you're at the level of putting fires out, you're already so far deep in and the fires that are coming your way on a daily basis and you're trying to put out last week's fires, it becomes like a, a cycle, right? And yeah. to get to get out of that can be quite challenging because if you're not putting out those fires and they're just multiplying and getting worse and worse and worse, you're going to fail. Your company's going to die. And so I, I've been in a situation where it was like, okay, I have to figure out a way to put them all out and then start fresh and new, new systems and processes, et cetera. But that can take a year. Oh yeah. It's not going to take a week. It's not going to take a month. You know, you got to change the culture of the people you're saying to get the right people. Okay. So those right people, 
Now you have to train them. Well, here's the new systems and processes. And they have to be like, okay, I guess we're going to do that. Or, uh, we don't agree, you know, and you're going to get some, you're going to get a lot of conflict there. So again, how do you navigate people's personalities, culture shock, change in systems and processes halfway through a company's, uh, you know, uh, scalability and, these are all very, very tricky topics, and I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, the the absolute best thing that anybody can do if they're in that situation is find themselves a decent, critical friend, somebody they trust, who can see things from the outside, who has no skin in the game other than your well-being. And, that, and I mean someone who you can hear bad news from and not dismiss them because you know at the beginning of this uh, call i i said you know that you only have three jobs getting and keeping customers staying legal and making getting and keeping customers more efficient everything else is irrelevant i guarantee that for most people if they looked at what they were doing on a day-to-day basis they would see that they can release themselves from some of the, the stuff that they are doing that adds absolutely no value to their business at all, simply by saying, does it fit into one of those three? How can I justify it? And if I can't, then put it to one side. And actually having someone to help you see that. What do you do if somebody does? Okay, so let's just put, you're giving me uh, re- reminders and memories of, Days past where I helped and mentored a lot of entrepreneurs who didn't want to listen. Mm. What do you, what do you do when you're talking to an entrepreneur? You see they're struggling. You have a clear path to success. You have a clear path to help them get out of the situation they're in, but they're so set in their ways. Like you said, they're not willing to do number five, get out of the way. Yeah. They're, they're so set on no, I'm right. No, what I've been doing is correct. I don't need to follow these steps. What do you do in a, with a stubborn person, basically? Do you just let them fail? Do you go the other way? Or do you try still to get them to listen? Well, I'm afraid I have a bit of a savior complex. So this is a real, <laughs> this is a, I mean, this is a real struggle for me because I just see people in pain and all I want to do is take the pain away. And, and, you know, I didn't get this old and this wrinkled by not being burned by that a few times. So the only thing I can do is, is, is when I see it is say, you know what, we're going to have to put the brakes on, on this. Uh, and by this, I mean this relationship, because I'm going to draw you a picture of where you're going to be. And the reason why I can draw that picture is because I've been there myself. Um, I was talking to somebody today and we were talking about gap years, you know, usually this year that you have between college and university or between university and going and getting your first job like I didn't go to university I have had four gap years and every single one of them has been caused by me crashing and burning by not listening to people around me um, by thinking no I can get through this because I am bigger and better than than this and actually you can't get through your own physical limitations you know, there are some things that you just simply cannot push through. There's an, there's an old African saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And if you go fast, you're either going to run out of fuel or you're going to, you are going to crash and burn and probably you're going to do both. And I've, and I've been there with both. So with, with any business owner that is on that path, I can say, here's where it's going to end. Now, if you want to be there, that's great. 
But in the meantime, you're going to lose contact with your friends. You're going to lose contact uh, and influence with your children. And you're probably going to put your marriage on the line. Is it really worth it? If sometimes you do have to just go slow now for a short period of time so that you can go fast later. So you can actually achieve the goals that you want to achieve rather than completely underperforming and either burning out and not achieving any anything else or or i mean some companies literally do not survive the personality of their founders and that's just such a tragedy it is that has to do with like you know creating the proper culture and vision and making sure everyone is on the same page and that's also difficult because you know your your five steps or your five tips that you mentioned about having a plan sharing it getting the right people creating systems and processes you know, and uh, I don't. I've I've had the experience of people in the past not being on the same page, mm-hmm. even if even if you have it all laid out for them and like here it is, here's the vision, here are the systems, here's the processes, here are the people that are part of the organization, and here's our vision for the future, right? So you have these people come in now, right? CTO, CFO, VP of marketing, different high titled individuals who are talented. They bring something to the table, but you don't see eye to eye. You're not on the same page. And I know you're going to say those are not the right people. Find the right people. But what if they are the right people after vetting, say, 10 CTOs, 10 VPs of marketing, 10 of these, 10 of that, and you see all these different people and they're the closest thing you're going to find to the right person for your team there's cultural personality differences. This is where things get, again, sticky icky. And I've been through it multiple times. Mm. What if you're kind of stuck in that situation where you really don't have a choice? It's either you're going it alone or you're going to take these people who are the right fit in some ways and not in others. I always say to clients about the, the because actually often the question is, how do I get the right people? Um, and that's really about having a clearly defined set of, of um, core values. I mean, basically, it's if we had those written down, and I'm not a big fan of having them on the wall because if you need to, if you need to completely refer to them on the wall, and actually they're not lived values. So, what are the lived values around around here? And use those for recruitment tools. But I have worked in a in a business. I mean, it was a, a bankruptcy rescue where we absolutely had to keep this one individual. And, oh, my goodness me, if I could have fired him, I would have done. But we needed him for this very specific project. And the survival of the company really pivoted on this project getting through. So we actually had to figure out a way of managing his behavior. Now, getting rid of him was not an option. But at least he was only one. And what we did was we built the rest of the team and we as almost as a as a team separate from this individual. We right. said, this is what we need to do to get the most out of him so that we can get ultimate survival of this business. And then at this point, he's out. And he kind of knew he was out, out at that point. And, and to be honest, the reason why we not only the way we retained him was his sheer arrogance of I'm not going to leave until I've done this project. So we kind of, it, and it was all around ego, and it, and it always is. So his ego wouldn't let him let go, which meant that we were pretty secure in getting the project done. Um, sometimes, you know, you if you've really genuinely got so much discord in, 
you really have to think about if I had a lifeboat, and this is a really good thing. If I had a <laughs> lifeboat, uh, I know where this. I know where this is going. Rose is going to tell Jack to. There's not enough room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I always say, you know, you've got a lifeboat, and you've got the, the the survival of the company relies on the people in that lifeboat. Who are you going to put in first? You know, and who's the second person, and who's the third person? And then if you start to get a bit overweighted, who's going to be the first person you kick out? And actually, just being really honest with yourself, because actually, it might be you that you have to kick out of the lifeboat because you're the one that's actually being uh, the disruptor. Because sometimes when you don't see eye to eye, it's just ego. And uh, but and it's having that self-awareness to recognize that sometimes you're the problem. Yeah, I've been in situations before where, and I've seen other people as well struggle in this, where they weren't, they were told by their co-founders that they may not have been CEO material. And they may not be the right person for the job, or they might not know exactly what to do to make a company scale. And they felt as though they were, right? Or I felt as though I was, you know, someone telling me, well, you're not really a, a good CEO. And, and, and I'm looking at the person telling me this, and I'm like, who are you to tell me that when, you know, you're just a developer? Yes. How, how, how do you know how to run a company? You, you know how to code, but you don't, you, don't, you don't know what I'm dealing with, fundraising, making sure the business is on the right trajectory, making sure that we have users, making sure that the development is going well in line with the marketing efforts and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's people out there that may think that they are not the right person for the job or people are telling them they're not the right. H- how do you figure out whether or not you are the right person? Because you're saying now to think about whether or not you're the right person for the job, not your team. Yeah. It's a totally different situation. Now you have to kind of reflect inwards and, yeah. and decide. So how does that work? Because now you're playing devil's advocate with yourself. So, so <laughs> now I'm going to do the, <laughs> the shameless pitch for what I do. So I'm a professional business mentor. And I can honestly say that when you're, when you, when you're in that CEO role, and, and it's because you're the founder and you might never have had this experience before. Just go and, I mean, it's what I was talking about, the critical friend. The critical friend could actually be a, a, a mentor or, or a business mentor. And, um, and, and it is go and get someone outside your organization to help you see things from the outside. But equally, you know, really big businesses are absolutely atrocious at investing in um, what I call proper leadership skills. I mean, people call them soft skills now, but there's nothing soft about leadership skills, but leadership skills and people management skills. And it, and, and it doesn't matter what size of organization you're in. A lot of people are kind of feeling their way in the dark uh, around managing particularly teams, especially if it's of a skill set that they don't uh, you know, they haven't managed before. And there's nothing wrong with actually having someone by your side to help you or having someone you can pick up the phone to and saying, genuinely, I don't know what I'm doing. Or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Or uh, particularly if you get that feedback from a developer. And I, and, and like, I, I, I mean, I would, I've run companies where I haven't, I haven't been able to do the technicianing because that's not been my skill set. And then I've had them going, you don't know anything about this business. Um, and having an outside person to say, you know, can share my 
self-doubts with or even actually my self-delusions with, but to be able to have a completely uncritical, unjudging conversation where they are willing to hold the mirror up to you um, and let you see your strengths and support you, but also let you see your weaknesses and guide you through the learning that you might need to be able to get more out of yourself, your team members, and your, as a result, your, your business. Self-awareness is something that most people get as they age. It's something you should invest in at the youngest possible age. Love it. That's great. That's a great way to, to end the, the conversation, really, because uh, a lot of people are probably struggling with this. I know that there were moments in the different businesses I ran where I didn't have somebody that could understand me, right? Like I had mentors. I had mentors. I had other business peers that I could talk to about the problems I was dealing with, the challenges I had, how to overcome certain parts. But in the end, no one really understands what's in your head because maybe you're afraid to tell them every single thing. Maybe you're afraid of what they'll think. And maybe you're afraid of the, the, the advice they're going to give you. And that now you're like, Oh, I have to follow this advice now, you know? So uh, I liked hearing about what it is that you do. So expand a little bit as we end the episode on, on exactly what it is you do for people, how they can find you, any resources you have, any books you've written, um, basically what people can find that's offered by you. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, oh, thanks for the opportunity. So my name is Christine Nicholson. You can find me at businessmentoruk.com. Although I do work globally, I've got clients around the world and I am that critical friend. Um, the thing with a business mentor is that they have been in your shoes. They have walked the painful path. They've generally experienced everything that you have experienced as opposed to a, a coach which um, they haven't had the the lived experience um, I've now written four business books um, it starts from uh, you know my background is I'm, I'm an accountant by profession or by training um, never actually worked just as an accountant and um, so my first book is around finance it's just really understanding your numbers and anybody who says to me oh I don't get numbers I'm number blind no if you know your ABC you know your one two three it's just about learning the kind of finance language. So my first book actually demystifies the language of finance. And then we talked about the five things strangling your business. I talk about that in my second book, which is about your profit score, which is about the things that are holding you back um, from creating more profits. Um, my expertise is really in exit and succession planning. So I really help business owners understand how to have the end in mind and what that journey is going to look like when they choose. You don't need to be thinking about selling right now, but you do need to think about well, what would it take for me to not be in my business every day? Uh, and my book, whilst it is called Sell It, it is just about preparing your business for a time when you could sell it if you chose to or some other way of divesting yourself of the in investment that you've made in, in of your life and it is literally your life in your business uh, and it should be your life in your hands. So, um, yeah. Love it. That was awesome. Check it out. Businessmentoruk.com. Thanks, Christine, for coming to the show. This was very uh, enlightening, I'm sure. And uh, hopefully where you don't have to strangle anybody in the future. Hopefully they'll just listen to us, right? <laughs> it was a real pleasure. Thank you. You asked some tough questions. 
Hey, it's a tough world we're living in, right? Absolutely. And business and business is tough. So check her out, businessmentoruk.com. Thanks again for listening and watching, and we will see everybody in next week's episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.